Women's Tech Radio, Episode 2. Women's Tech Radio is a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network where we interview women involved in technology careers about their journey and what they're doing in the technology field. I'm Paige. And I am Angela. So Angela, what is probably your most memorable computer experience as a, as a young person? You know, my first experience, my first memorable thing is in like fifth or sixth grade, I was asked to write a paper and print it on the computer, which was like the first time that's ever happened. And I was supposed to double space it. Okay. So I sat there using my arrow over key and my space bar, putting an extra space between every single word on my two page essay, because I had no idea that I needed to go to format paragraph and select double spacing that automatically does that for me between the lines, not between the words. What is your most memorable experience? Wow, that's pretty impressive. I know, right? Um, I had had a similar thing um, where I was actually asked in um, third and fourth grade to begin typing my essays because my handwriting was so atrocious that my teachers couldn't read anything. Wow. Um, But before that, I actually grew up and my dad um, gave me a Commodore 64, so very old school. And um, he also gave me a book um, that was a kind of write-your-own-programs book, only it's really like... um, uh, essentially, you would just read the book and copy in these weird wonky symbols that were part of the Commodore keyboard. So it was like typing in wing bats. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then it would make a program, but it didn't actually have like any sort of rhyme or reason. Like, But uh, but I definitely sat for hours typing essentially wing bats into the computer to be able to play like uh, Commodore 64 Pong. And before we get to the interview, I just want to mention that Jupiter Broadcasting can be funded by going to patreon.com forward slash today, which is the Tech Talk Today Patreon page, except it supports the entire network as a thank you. We do that daily tech show in the morning, Monday through Thursday to uh, as a way to give back to the audience. So if you would like to support this show, you can do that through the patreon.com forward slash today. Now, who are we interviewing today? And today we're interviewing Vanita. She's a founder of um, a small internet or technology consultancy in London. Um, and we talked to her about her journey. We got started um, by asking her how she got involved in technology. So, uh, well, actually, it wasn't really, um, I mean, something that I loved doing, um, I guess, back in 2000, uh, 2000, yeah, which is when I was um, thinking about, like, which which field to do my degree in. I felt um, IT is the only one which would yield me a good, decent job. And that's why I decided to go with IT. So I did my engineering um, in computer science and right after then started uh, working as a developer in a startup. So you did uh, a full degree uh, in computer science to get to get going, but hadn't really had a passion like as a young person. It was just more the, the field that seemed best suited for lifelong prosperity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And since then, have you found more of a passion for technology? Oh, yes, yes. I guess uh, I think I always had this logical and analytical reasoning. Uh, I was really always very strong at it. And I think um, after doing my graduation, I guess I, I just loved it. I mean, from, from that day onwards, I have been a very hands-on programmer, developer, have been working in different programming languages and, and just love it. And how was it learning the technology, being in those classes? Were you... Did you find yourself being the only female or were, you, were there other peers that were also female? So uh, I think uh, we had the batch of about 60 students and uh, out of 60 students, I guess we were about six female. Yeah, six ladies were there in that course. Wow. So about 10%. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find um, that that kind of made it more difficult or did you bond well with the women who were in the program? 
Um, I don't know, actually. I mean, I'll be very honest. Like, I think until until 2010, I did not even realize that there is a gender ratio problem in the industry. So, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I just took it the way it is. And, um, I mean, just got going with it. I actually shared that journey. I kind of didn't, I got into it just because it was interesting and exciting. And I didn't really realize that there were so few women in it, in the industry at the time. I had, I had the opposite. I, I tried to get into it, but it was so over my head, the, the NT class that I tried to take that I ended up not actually taking it because it was just, it was a little too much. Yeah. Because, you know, I was working at Goldman Sachs, um, until 2012 and now, when I think about it, um, there were hardly maybe four or five female engineers on the complete floor. And like the floor being of maybe about 200 um, engineers. Oh, wow. And, you know, when I was working there, I, I, I re- literally never never realized it. Yeah. So so um, can you actually, maybe you talked about that, can you work us through your journey, like from getting out of school, um, like what your first job was like, and, and kind of bring us to where you are now in a couple sound bites? Sure. So um, 2004 is when I uh, finished my undergrad and uh, I started working in a startup company. Uh, this was back in India. Uh, 2007 January is when I came in London. Um, that's when I started with Goldman. So like right, I think just five days after I landed here, um, I got the job at Goldman and I started there. And I think I worked there for about uh, five years. Um, September 2012 is I decided I want to do something on my own. So um, I started, I co-founded this company called Sustango, which is an IT consultancy. And, um, um, and then like uh, early this year, I also joined Women Who Code. So right now I'm director of um, Women Who Code London. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been trying a couple of like crazy ideas of my own along with my IT consultancy, Sustango. Um, so yeah, I've been trying to push them as well. Awesome. So uh, what, what prompted you to get involved with Women Who Code? Um, it's, it's, it's actually the same fact. So, uh, I decided to move out of Goldman just because like, you know, I wanted to explore a few more things, didn't want it to get very comfortable with what I was doing. And when I moved out, I realized that there's really some problem out there because when you go into conferences, when you go out um, into these meetups, there will be so, I mean, very few, I mean, literally that you can count on your fingers. Um, and, and that's what I made me feel that there's something that needs to be done here and, uh, which triggered me joining women who code London. Awesome. Yeah. I had a similar journey being the director for women who code Portland that I just want to see more women involved because, you know, we can type just as well as men. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and then like, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I don't know. I mean, now, now when I think about it in hindsight, I feel that sometimes um, people tend to feel that you are at your position because you're women, because like, you know, you had some sort of positive discrimination and that's why you are given like, you know, some, some sort of privilege versus what I'm saying is, um, I mean, we, we deserve to be where we are and there are like a lot more women um, who can do exactly the same thing that we are doing and can, can be developers. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about technology right now kind of gets you fired up? Like, what are you excited about either that's happening now or happening in the future? Or uh, what are you working on at, uh, at your firm? So, um, I mean, I work in different programming languages. Um, we are an IT consultancy. So most of the times we end up doing clients projects and the technologies that they want us to work on. But then on the on the side note, uh, I've been working on my idea, which is called as CodePunt.today. Um, 
And this is more like a daily challenge website where um, we, we write one challenge uh, for the programmers to attempt to every day. And we kind of like make it a bit um, funky by saying that you punt on your code and if you win, then you become punter of the day. Um, I think what what I find most interesting in the in the on the technology side is the variable aspect. So things that are happening with Google Glass, um, iWatch, and the way like you know it is giving equality to everyone. So now um, it doesn't matter if you don't have good memory. With the help of Google Glass, you would potentially know the same things that a person who has good memory would know. Right, so it's kind of like giving sort of equality. I would say um, helping people overcome their shortcomings. So that variable check is is something that really excites me. Yeah, I totally agree. Can you say that website again um, a little slower? It's code punt c o d e p u n t dot today t o d a y so. Okay, awesome. And uh, for those of us who are across the pond, can you explain what a punter is? So, so basically, um, it's it's like a betting on your uh, coat, and um, so so you know you you go um, you go in the pub um, for a pint or two, and so that that's where we bought this concept that you punt on the coat that you write. Nice. nice. That that sounds like a great exercise and great uh, motivator. You know, yeah, to keep learning. And actually, this actually stuck, came in um, again, like last year when I was working with my team, um, you put in so much effort recruiting people, right? And uh, then when you make them work on a project or on a technology that they don't really like, they, they, they tend to feel a bit demotivated, a bit discouraged. And th- that is what actually triggers them to switch their jobs. And uh, that's where I thought, like, I, I need to do something which would keep them engaged. And uh, then at the same time, like, you know, we should reward them as well if they're re- doing really good. And um, that's where I started this in-house competition. Um, we, we used to pose one challenge every day. People started attempting to it. There was this competition that was growing within the team as well. And then um, as, a, as an employer, what I felt was that I could see how my people are doing for three months, six months. And then I started making decisions out of it that I want to give this guy this promotion because I see a lot of potential in him or her and likewise. That's really fascinating. So you kind of use it as like a a litmus test in in house to see how people are doing. Yeah. And then now if you now since I've launched it externally, because different programmers are attempting to it, um, I get to see their like, you know, attempts over the time. I could see if they are really learning. And um, you're kind of doing like your round one with them by giving them these challenges. They're attempting to it. You, you're rewarding them. But then on the backside, you get your LinkedIn profile. You see what their attempts have been. Uh, and then uh, we also maintain scoreboards. So each developer has its own scoreboard. They can decide if they want to make it visible or not. And um, uh, and then we also give them tips. So every day we give them a programming tip, which means if you come on our website, check your dashboard, you you kind of like learning every day. I think we lost your audio, but I'm going to go ahead and say that sounds, it's like, it's like a coding social network. Yeah. Essentially. Sort of. Yes. Have you yes. ever recruited people that didn't work for you that have been using it by reviewing their dashboard scoreboards? Or is that uh, not the purpose of it? Or I mean, I, I know it's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to learn and continue education and provide tips and, and support for budding coders. But have you ever found a potential candidate for your company? Yes. So I have recruited um, like a couple of developers based on the way they have attempted um, the programs on CodePun.today. That's great. That is awesome. Yes. And um, 
can you kind of sign up as a, as an organization yet to, can you sign up as an organization to um, follow people or anything like that? No, not yet. So it's only um, end of September, early October is when I went, uh, like when I launched the external one until then we were just using it internally. And um, that's my plan. Like now that is what I'm working on to have the vendor um, or sponsors dashboard, you could say, where you could log in as an organization. That is great. I think we'll definitely have to have you back uh, just to talk about how that's going. And once some companies get on, that'd be great. And congratulations on the launch. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And actually, it had been um, a bit, um, you know, uh, a good ride, I would say, because um, I never applied in any accelerator or anywhere um, before. And um, like right in middle of October is when I came to know about Vera Accelerator, that they are, they have opened this um, application round. I applied there and um, I landed up into semifinals. And now I'm waiting for like finals results to see how what they think about CodePunt. Oh, excellent. Uh, can you can you spell that uh, accelerator name? Vera, it's W-A-Y-R-A. Awesome. And I think it's begged by Telefonica. So I think it's third uh, biggest accelerator here in UK. Awesome. Great. How is the startup scene in the in the UK? I think you are in London. Yes, it's improving, actually. Uh, in the last uh, couple of years or three, um, I think uh, everybody has tried their best to, to put this as in the Silicon Valley of Europe. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, we haven't seen the results yet, but everybody has been trying hard, right from government to everybody in the private sector. Everyone is trying, doing that. Excellent. I think it, it benefits the world if we spread it out a lot. Definitely. Hopefully, yes. Is there anything that you uh, wanted to share that maybe we haven't asked you? Um, uh, I think the only thing that I would say is um, whenever I meet um, any women here, um, they all have this uh, preconceived notion that um, technology is very daunting. It requires you to work long hours um, and uh, it's something that's just not made for women. I guess, um, I mean, I I think uh, the way I see programming languages, technology, is they are like, you know, just just another program, another language. So just like the way you have French, German, Mm -hmm. you have like, you know, Java, C, C++. And it's just a way to get your creativity out of your mind and like, you know, do something tangible. That's it. That is great. Awesome. Yeah, I always like try to explain that programming languages is really just it's a language to talk to computers. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if, if women can learn French, German, and all of those languages, why not C, C++, Java? Yep. Awesome. And one last question I always like to ask, um, how, what's the best piece of advice you've probably ever been given about technology? Uh, I guess uh, uh, just, just be very strong at logical and analytical reasoning. So if you are good at solving problems, I think problem-solving skills is must if you want to excel in technology. Yeah. Um, and, and this is what like my manager at Goldman, uh, I guess, uh, told me, I think that that was one of the reasons why he hired me in the first place. Yeah. And always the difference that I like to tell people that problem solving is not math necessarily. Right. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Vita. This has been a pleasure. Same here. Same here. And thank you for talking to me. Yep. And we'll follow up with you in, in just a little bit then. Sounds good. Bye yeah. Bye. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Well, that was a great interview. Uh, Women's Tech Radio is a weekly audio show that you can get on jupiterbroadcasting.com and subscribe to the RSS feeds. You can also email us, WTR at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Until next time. Until next time.